0: Uh, Gall have, have faithfully served and, and blessed our congregation with their music. So we're thankful to them. Also, th- we're thankful to the Ward family uh, to be able to, to allow us the blessing of sharing in the sacrament uh, together. I, I, I have already said that, but I, I am longing for that day where we can share in communion together and, again, be in the house of God together to share in baptism. But this was a rich uh, blessing to be able to do that. So thank you to the Ward family for that. We're in Mark chapter 10, and I I encourage you to open your Bible because we'll be coming back uh, to this passage and just kind of walking through some key verses there. We're continuing in a new series, but it's an old series, the ABCs of Christianity. After Pentecost, uh, this will be the third time now after Pentecost we've looked at, because of what Christ has done for us in his cross and resurrection, because of the sent spirit and the wisdom that he brings us, the power that he brings us, who are we to be? What are we to believe? What are we to do? Just what are the basics? And we're on the letter J for this week. And so there are several J's we could have looked at. There, it, would have been a, it would have been a good study to look at several towns and their history just like here. We're in Jericho and then we're about to go to Jerusalem. I'd thought about that. Everybody, apparently, in the Bible is named with a J. Most of the saints, whether it's Jesus' half-brothers or his, many of his disciples and so many uh, great uh, people in the Old Testament as well, we could have talked about the judgment of God. You can't miss that. Just, just a few verses before that, Jesus is talking about hell and so many times he, he brings up that subject. It's probably in his top five topics. And it's something right for us to discuss. But we're going to settle on one word, one topic with the letter J. Just just one word. And we can't miss this word. I, I remember at my last church I had gone to visit uh, somebody at their home, and it was the first time I was going to visit with them, and so I put their address uh, into my GPS because I hadn't been there before, but I also knew they were out of town a good ways, and I mean, I got way out into the woods, found this, what ended up being a one-way street, and I mean way back in the woods, like when I got there, there was a family with, I, I swear, uh, there were moonshine stills, you know, that's where I was, and I was not at the right place. I had, I had typed in one wrong number out of all of that. I had the, had the name right. I had that right. I had the town right. I had the city right. I had the zip code right. I had the address part right. I had county road right. And instead of 201, I had put 202, put me on the other side of the town in a place where people were not familiar with me, and it was an awkward discussion, just one number. I was off there, and I missed everything. What's that one word? More importantly and more correctly, what's that one name? It's Jesus. Simply Jesus. And I just want to glory in him with you today. There are so many passages we could have turned to. And I understand, We two years ago, when we talked about the road that Jesus took, uh, where he walked as he made his trek and his journey Uh, to Jerusalem to die for us. We had looked at this passage. Now, I'm going to bring up one little point from that sermon, but this is a totally new sermon that that I wrote this week for today. There's so much here, and we could come back to this text over and over again because there's so much here about who Jesus is and who we are to be and can be because of Jesus. So let's just look at his life and highlight the things that we need to highlight What are the ABCs? What what do we bump into when we go through this this moment with Bartimaeus? The first thing we see is Jesus' heart and his character. Verse 47 says, Jesus stopped and said, call him here. Recently, third and fourth graders from Wheaton Christian Grammar School were asked to answer one question. They turned in their answers, and the question was this. By faith, I know that God is. I want to read you some of their responses. By faith, I know that God is forgiving. That's what Amanda said. Forgiving, because he forgave in the Bible, and he forgave me when I rode on my bike without one of my parents. One student said, he is providing full. I don't know if that's a word. I don't think so. My spell check said it's not a word. I like this word, providing full, because he dropped manna for Moses and the people. And he also gave my dad a job. Jeremy said, I know by faith that God is merciful because my brother has been nice to me for a year. That's that's beyond merciful. That's that's all powerful for one sibling to be nice to another sibling for a whole year. I know that God is faithful because the school bill came and my mom didn't know how we were going to pay it. Two minutes later, my dad called and said that he just got a bonus check and my mother was in tears. I know by faith that God is sweet because he gave me a dog. God tells me Not to do things that are bad. And I need that sometimes. And then this last one. By faith I know that God is caring. Because he made the blind man see. And he made me catch a very fast line drive that could have hurt me. He probably sent down angels. I thank young Paul for that. Jesus is sweet and caring and faithful. Yes, and I believe he is providing full. Bartimaeus banked on that. Bartimaeus banked on the heart and the character of Jesus. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. By the way, where where was this and when was this? Jesus had been making this trek to Jerusalem It had started, you have you go back earlier in Mark, Caesarea Philippi, and then you have the transfiguration. In the Gospel of Luke, it says that he had set his face to Jerusalem. The Samaritans knew that. Jesus had set his face. And so really, we've got this long journey over multiple chapters in Mark's Gospel where Jesus is on his way, not just to Jerusalem, because that's what the next verse says. We're on our way to Jerusalem in the next chapter. This event is when Jesus is about to enter his holy city, to enter into Holy Week, to give himself for us and for the salvation of our lives. And yet he allows himself to be interrupted. You ever been interrupted? When you're about to walk into an incredibly important meeting at work, and somebody grabs you on the side, and they know you're going into that incredibly important meeting, but they pull you and want to talk to you about something very trivial? Or maybe it, you're about to take off on vacation or you're going to some special event like a concert or a sporting event and the people around you know you're trying to get out of the house or trying to, to get out of the office and they pull you aside for something. Students, you know that. Every time you're called to dinner, it, it always happens where you're in the middle of an incredible boss battle on, on playing video games and, and at that point you're, you can't save in the middle of the game and yet you're called down and you have to go life is interruption. But this, this moment, where he is and when he is, how do you you stop? This whole trek has been towards the cross. How is it that you and I handle interruptions? Do we give our full attention to the interrupter? How well do we do that? Now, I'm not saying all interruptions should be stopped for you need the wisdom of god and right counsel on that so i'm not but looking at Jesus' life we see his heart and his character put on display he's walking to jerusalem has been walking he's moving towards his death this is where he's walking is the most important moment in all of human history the giving of the Son of God for the people of God, and Scripture says he stopped. He's done that before, not just before his cross, but on, on the way earlier in Mark's Gospel, chapter five. He's on the way for the resurrection of someone's daughter. I mean, this is a child, but somebody's got an issue with blood. When she touches the hem of his garment, he stops. Jesus is a God full of mercy and compassion, and you have his full attention when you call on him. We might say, well, of course he does. He's God. Yes, that's right. Part of our celebration. When we speak of Jesus, we recognize his divinity. He is fully God. But what Scripture is very clear about, and you see it in Mark, or we go to Mark's Gospel where we say the Word was made flesh, he became one of us. And on this trek, as we've, if you track these couple of chapters, he has to be physically tired. Just from that trek, from, from this northernmost point in the Holy Land all the way to Jericho and now over to Jerusalem, he's got to be physically tired. But just think about how relationally tired he is putting up with disciples who continue to misunderstand everything he said along the way about his cross. That he's been bombarded by people all along the way, trying to suck the very life out of him. Think about how emotionally drained he is at this point. He starts out by being rejected by the Samaritans. Along the way, he's rejected by a rich young ruler, plus the heartbreak that we'll never understand inside the second person of the Holy Trinity, When people do reject him, because they're lost in the heartbreak he must have been feeling. Jesus, along this way, he's talked about his death one time, two times, three times. The shadow of the cross has been over this entire trek Spiritually, in some sense, he was probably drained. Besides all the ways in which he's having to teach some very tough truths about divorce or about hell or about riches, And I wonder what the response was by others to that. All of that would have been taxing. All of that, and the author of Hebrews in chapter 4, verse 12 says, We don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Jesus was God. But Jesus was man. Made man. He felt it all physically, emotionally, relationally probably in some sense spiritually, and now this interruption just on the brink of Holy Week, and he does not blink. Jesus stopped. Call him here. How about us? Do we live lives where we are always ready to give and to offer ourselves? Now, again, that can only happen when we do what we've talked about in our Leaving the Wilderness series, when we've Sabbathed well, when we've rested well, when we've been in the Word of God and, had, and, and have done the spiritual disciplines well, when we've been encouraged relationally because we're putting ourselves in mentor relationships and, and, and friendship relationships to be encouraged We do that. We watch Jesus' life. We should be built up enough. And by the way, Jesus lived all that out. We've talked about that. He Sabbathed well. He worshiped well. He was with a key group of three and of 12. Well, and that's why partly he can give himself away like this. There's so much more we could say of Jesus' character, of his character and heart. But here, we just see his compassion, his mercy, his deferring to others, And it's a beautiful reason for why we worship him and how we're to live like him and why we should come to him. He's a God who will hear you. He will stop and give you his attention. How do you need to hear and to respond to that today? A few more things, though. Not only do we see his compassion or his heart or his character, we also see his power in verse 52. Speaking of the, of the blind man, he regained his sight. Now let's just do some math here. I know for many of us, we're watching this early in the morning, but this, this, let's just do some math. It may be difficult. How many people have been cured of blindness up to this point? Matthew 9, you have two men. And then when John the Baptist uh, gets his report about Jesus, they say the blind have see, are seeing, so that's plural. And then in Matthew 12, you have one. Matthew 15, it's plural again. Matthew 20 has two, though our passage and Luke's passage have one. We can talk about that sometime. Matthew 21, it's plural again. Matthew Mark 8, you have that healing before this healing. John 9, you have one who's been blind before birth. And then John's testimony elsewhere. Since the world began, it has been unheard that anyone opened the eyes of anyone who was born blind. So let's do that. It's one plus the one and the plural plus the two Carry the one times pi, square root, x plus y, just over and over again. Which hasn't been, everybody's seen somebody do something like that. Why can he do it? Because Jesus was not made, just made flesh. But a great truth we always celebrate, that he is the divine son of God. He is God. The word was God. And you've seen that throughout Mark's gospel. I mean, there's so many miracles here. We don't get a lot of teaching, but it's miracle after miracle after miracle. Why? Why the wind and waves obey him? Why these several issues with blindness, can they be healed? How is it that he can resurrect the dead? How, how is it that he can confront the spiritual warfare that seems to be almost every page of Mark's gospel? Because he is the Son of God. He is God. And if there's anything as a pastor I would say to you, whether it's a physical healing or an issue with spiritual warfare or an issue with fear over wind and waves, when you bump into this truth, just don't let it cause you to be overwhelmed by the power of God. Uh, but I pray it would encourage you and make you desperate for the power of God in your life. That's what Bartimaeus is saying here for his physical healing. That, bring that to him. Jesus is concerned with that. Just page after page after page in Mark's gospel. But ultimately, it's also your heart. And you're going to see as we close today, that's really what's going on with Bartimaeus. I also want you close to me. How is it that you and I, understanding that he's a God of mercy and compassion, but he's the one who has all power, that we are desperate for him? Don't mishear me. You know this. You've got health issues, you see a doctor. But you call on the son of David too. If you've, if you've got issues in relationships, you get counseling if you've got struggles with parenting our staff would love to talk with you 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 read and you read and you and you look at how go to seminar after seminar about how to do that but you also get on your knees before God and say Jesus son of david have mercy i'm a parent help me well, if you're struggling with money issues you go to a financial counselor but but jesus son of david have mercy are we desperate for Jesus, in a world of affluence, and a world of distraction, is it, it's gotta be you, Jesus. I love that praise song. This is the air that I breathe. This. This is the air that I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. This is my daily bread. This is my daily bread. Every word, your every word, spoken to me. And I, I'm desperate for you and I am lost without you. Bartimaeus was desperate. He would not let the crowds shut him down. Sometimes people will do that. Don't get all weird and don't get all charismatic. You get desperate for Jesus. Don't let anybody keep you from saying, son of David, have mercy. He also could have let his provision get in the way. As Ben read to us, he throws his cloak aside. That's where so many times on the edge of cities, people with handicaps who couldn't, couldn't work for themselves, they would spread out their cloak and you put alms there. He throws that aside. It's got to be Jesus. How do you need to be desperate for the power of Jesus today? Thirdly, we see in verse 52, we see something of Jesus' cross. The Scripture says that, speaking of uh, the healed blind man, he began to follow Jesus on the road. Now, how does that talk about the cross? Well, this whole book, I mean, you, we always talk about you, you read a Scripture in context. What, what's the context here? What's the placement here? What comes before it? What comes after it? What's this section of Scripture about? And, what, and then what the whole book's about? Well, this, the verse just before this says, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He's talking about the cross. The verse after that, he's walking into the holy city to, to begin Holy Week so he we can get to the cross. The context or the, or the section of this scripture has been a journey. that began with a healing of a blind person. And then he makes his trek to here. And then another healing of a blind person and he walks into his city. It's all been about in that, in, those, in that section on that trek three different times. Jesus has said, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. It's all about the cross. And, and we've talked about before, this whole book of Mark's gospel, the whole thing's a race to the cross. It contains, pound for pound, just looking at the shortness of this uh, gospel, 16th chapter, the whole context. Nobody spends more time in Holy Week than Mark. He gives it so much of a detention attention, and the whole book has been a race to get us there. So when he talks about this road, I think it's a reminder to us again. The context and the setup. Here's this last moment of Jesus right before He walks into Jerusalem. It's always about the cross. When we talk about Jesus, the cross, and His resurrection, because you really can't separate them, they always have to be front and center. That is the road that He is on, and that's where He's going to give His life to be a ransom for many. If you don't know Jesus, I pray you want His power I pray you're attracted to his heart and to his character. But ultimately, it's his cross. That he loved you so much that he gave his life for you. That your sins might be forgiven. That you might not only have eternal life with him and with his father uh, for always, but also you can have life in him right now. I'd love to pray with you about that that you would connect with me, or connect with Ben, or connect with Corey, whoever you feel comfortable with, if you need to pray about that and say, I'm desperate for the salvation of my soul, I'm just not sure, let's be sure. When we lift up the name of Jesus, this is the heart of his name. This is the heart of his work, that you would be saved, that he could give his life for you, and he could be your ransom. Then this last word, in verse 52, we see something always when we talk about his saving grace, we also need to talk about his kingship and his lordship. The consistent call throughout his ministry, his public ministry is, is to follow. And you see that Bartimaeus, even though he had a, a desperate physical need, spiritually he has responded to Jesus because when he gets up, verse 52 says, he begins following on the road or on the way. To be healed by Jesus means that we then follow. If he is our Savior, he is to be our Lord. This is a repeating response. Bartimaeus gets it, he gets up, and he gets on the road. He gets behind his rabbi and follows him to be on his side. It's no longer, as Jesus has been speaking throughout, You've just, if you go back and read, he's been talking about denying yourself. You deny your road. You deny your life, and you get on my road. Not just for provision for my life, salvation for my life, but it means to also become a follower of Jesus. I can't remember what year it was. It was sometime maybe in 2003, 2004 maybe, when Amy Tuck had switched political parties. And that was the big news of the week. But I had had some contact with her when I, while I was minister of evangelism at Christ United Methodist Church. And in my contact with her, she said, Barry, I'm going to be coming to worship this week. Just wanted to let you know. And I said, well, great. We're glad to have you as a guest that morning. And, and look for me, and let's connect before the service starts. So I had talked with Amy when the service was about to begin. And she was sitting somewhere, if you can see me here, somewhere on this side of the, that big sanctuary at Christ Methodist. And so I went and I told her senior pastor, I said, you don't have to introduce her, but I just wanted to let you know Amy Tuck's in, in the audience today if you wanted to say something to her. And she's sitting right over there. And so when the senior pastor got up later in the service after the greeting time and after everything else, the sermon's at the end, he gets up and he says, well, listen, Amy Tuck's with us, and she's uh, one of the prominent, prominent government officials, and so we want to welcome her and pray for her. And so, Amy, if, you would, if you'd stand up for us so we can greet you. And she stood up on the other side of the sanctuary. During the greeting, I think she saw somebody that she knew, and so she had moved to the other side of the sanctuary. But the senior pastor and I didn't know that, so when he got up, he said, Amy, would you get up? She gets up over there, and then the senior pastor says this words, on the week that Amy Tuck had rattled the Mississippi political scene by switching parties, our senior pastor said, Oh, Amy, I see you switch sides on us. Oh! Every time we encounter the saving grace of Christ and the mercy of Christ and the power of Christ, it means we switch sides. You've got to get on the road. The, the world has its road, this broad road. Your friends will have certain roads they want you to travel down. I've got my own agenda, I've got my many roads, I've got my family's expectations, my family roads, I've got our church's roads, I've got all these roads that everybody expects me to take, or these roads that I've fashioned for myself to take. What has been routine throughout Mark's gospel, if you meet Jesus, you get up and you follow. When you meet Jesus, when you've been blessed by Jesus, you've been saved by Jesus, you've been healed by Jesus. You get up and you follow. Let's pray about all these things. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for this morning just to glory in who your son is. To see his mercy and compassion If are those of us here who were doubting or who, who, who needed that today. Help us to bank on that as Bartimaeus did. I pray also as we look at our own lives that we will have built in enough margin in our lives so that we could be interrupted and stopped as Jesus so beautifully did for Bartimaeus. Father, I pray for the power of Jesus in our lives. We routinely see him sharing that power throughout this gospel. And I pray he would be the first person we turn to, that we would be desperate for his power in our lives, for physical healing, for emotional healing, relational healing, spiritual healing, to be sanctified and to live the life he's called us to live. Father, we thank you for Jesus' cross to be able to see the heart of his ministry and the heart of of everything as he is just moments before Holy Week. And Father, again, if there are those here that need to pray that prayer, I pray they confess their sin before you, repent of that sin, and and ask you to, to, to be the Lord of their life, that your spirit would enter into them and make them a new creation. And Father, we pray. That we won't stop there because that's not the pattern. That we would be on your road, not our road, not anybody else's road, but we would follow and we would get on the way. Holy Spirit, help us to see that. Give us your wisdom and your discernment to see where we have set up other purposes, other wills, other plans, and other roads that are not Jesus' road. Help us to get up and to get on his way. And it is in the name of Christ that we pray all these things. Amen.